The warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Abby Marison, Education Programme Manager from Festival Bridge, and I was a primary school teacher for 10 years. And Bex, I am a school leader with lots of experience teaching all the way through the primary age ranges. I also have experience in initial teacher training as well. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in both physical education and music with this week's folktale from rural England. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search epictales.co.uk for The Farmer and the Boggart. If you go there, you can sign up to become an epic educator, which will let you stream to your children a video of me telling the story, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the colossally colourful Mario Coelho, download the full audiobook at any time, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our final discussion of the series with Abby and Bex here by exploring the music and physical education opportunities with Farmer Rob and the Boggart. And you know what, folks, I'm going to start because I had an idea yesterday uh, and I've been so worried that I I might forget it. But um, you were talking, Abby, about um, uh, Edward Munch. Uh, and all of his different interpretations of his own piece of work. Um, and it made me think of, you know, all of those musicians who have one hit wonders and then go and try and put them out in all these different formats. You know, they make a rap version, they'll do a, an acoustic version. But actually, we do the same right here in the Fables and Fairy Tales podcast. And, and with this one, Happily Ever Teaching, we change our theme music depending on the story. So um, right at the start of of the term when we had our African story we did our theme music in a sort of African style obviously this story is very very British very English so we've got um, a nice English rural version of our theme tune when we go to Japan we have Japanese music when we go to Russia we have a a Russian style for doing it we love doing it just because it's fun but it's also a great way of showing how you can take an artistic idea or, or any idea really and you can adapt it with different media and different voices and your own personal interpretation and music is a great way of doing that. Abby, do you have any other musical delights that your children can explore from ages four to seven perhaps? Let's take it right back to the beginning when you're introducing young people to the story. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got children from, you know, reception year one, year two, and you're thinking, how are you going to get them engaged? Because the story's quite long. And I think we, we spoke about this um, when we first spoke about the story. So one of the things that uh, I think you could do, um, which is a, a technique that I've seen in magazines for, for children in the early years and, and different things, is is that to, to get them following a story, to get them not reading words, but following the story is to actually use instruments or to use a picture so that at each key moment of the story or for each character, they could then make a response. Mm. So to give you an example, you're talking about a story and you're saying, 
there was a, a farmer. And when you hit the word farmer, so you could have a picture of a farmer, a child then might tap a clave and you teach them the name of the clave and you say, you know, for the younger children, it's really important that you teach them how to hold it, give them opportunities to, to actually just explore the sound um, mm -hmm. tell them that this is the instrument, but then they have to sit still and hold them for the moment <laughs> that they can see in the story, the word farmer comes up again, uh, or the picture of the farmer. So they're following the story. So it's, it's, it's both a reading thing because it's following and watching where the moment is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also a, a taking part. So you, you could have as many as five or 10 instruments. You could keep it really simple and give one instrument to all of your children and all do that. But it's, it's a way of telling the story and keeping them engaged but it's it's also you you're going to uh, early years colleagues uh, will know you will need to put quite a bit of time into the letting them play with those instruments mm. beforehand otherwise it will just be noise and they won't hear the story so it's it's a skill in itself and it would take time but it would be worthwhile for them to either tell the story and then if you think about Pi Corbett and his methods of oracy and um, and storytelling you know being able to put actions to that in storytelling generally even with the way back when um, a lot of that was okay this is an action that goes with a particular phrase in a story or a particular character when that comes up this is um, what we're all going to do and it's a great way of like you say making sure that children are are sitting and listening I think tying it in with music though is is a brilliant idea really inspired and taking it back to, um, to Bex's idea yesterday with the with the festival I think we had this notion of a, a whole school festival uh, earlier in the week and uh, I really like that you could have a class performance of the story telling mm. the story either with music or uh, giving them that choice that we talked about yesterday and saying you know do you want an instrument do you want to do an action but actually everyone in the class has their own role in telling the story and then you can give opportunities for young people who've really got to develop their speaking confidence to actually read elements of the story themselves mm. yeah you can give everyone a part and depending on what their comfort uh, and their enjoyment is. And as we were saying right at the start of this week about switching the story up to different geographical locations and different historical locations, that could have an impact on the instruments you're able to use and the sounds you're able to make. It could become a big part, couldn't it, of changing the atmosphere of the story to different locations and settings going to put and settings in there so it helps with our search engine optimization for this one <laughs> <laughs> you've got lots of instruments but you can talk about the sounds that you might hear in the story would you hear birds okay what instrument could you use to reflect that or uh, mm. what's the sound of the scythe when it's cutting the the crops you know mm. you could you use a triangle for that or would it have to be something less delicate what sort of sounds might you used to produce so you can you can even think of an entire soundscape and yeah. and do some work around that creating the sounds of the story around it and Definitely. put that behind it now before we started this episode of the podcast abby you um, mentioned that there was going to be a physical education element to um, what you had for our four to seven year olds so can we just find out what that is 
So I think I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. When, when we're thinking about whether you want to call them foundation subjects or uh, if they fit under an arts umbrella, and I think everything in storytelling is within the art form, I, I always recommend that you, if you've got the budget or if you, if you can look into professional organisations to, to work with, it just enriches the whole the whole thing. Mm. So uh, I was thinking about individual dance practitioners, but also thinking about uh, larger organisations who might offer CPD. And, and I had a little look at some of those. Uh-huh. And I, I know that from listening to some of the things that were written around recovery, that I, and I'm not a dance specialist either, but I heard that apparently the motion of mirroring so literally copying the actions of someone mm. in front of you, it does something to your neurons in your brain and is really good for well-being. So, yeah. um, so for that, I was thinking, could you get someone to help you uh, interpret the story in dance? So create some movements around uh, having your group or your class split into two. So one group is the farmer, one group is the boggart. And you actually create movements around around them and you create a performance piece and you you work in pairs and copy each other and mirror each other's movements but I wouldn't uh, myself go into something like that perhaps without some support from from someone who (laughs) who knows about dance and knows about you know how to to bring a piece together Mm. like that so uh, I would certainly want a little bit of support on that and I know that Dance East have been working on a combination of remote and real work with schools um, and mm. I wonder whether quite a few dance organizations will start doing more of that mm. where they're not able to come into your schools where they can support you digitally um, but I just thought there was a nice idea around Definitely. um yeah that almost uh that fight element seeing something like Mumby side story coming out yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking West side story as well yeah <laughs> Yeah, so you, you 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 can take different sort of forward movements to each other and retreating movements and, and you know, talk about... And, and you give that um, opportunity for improvisation for young people mm-hmm. once they know some of the movements they could do and they can think of their own pieces, but there's also performance in that, you know, whether they're just performing to their own class or whether they're performing outwardly. There's a lot of skills in that. And not only is it a subject in its own right, it's supporting your physical development and it's good for well-being. So quite a lot in there. Absolutely. It's so good, isn't it? Because that's the way our primary curriculum is developed is that the children get the opportunity to revisit everything. So if they um, have previously kind of mirroring one another in dance, then um, in Key Stage 2, you've got that opportunity to look at all of the other dancing techniques like um, dancing in unison, dancing in canon, um, about pathways along the floor, about... um, uh, levels and different um, levels. So obviously, where's the boggit going to be? Is the boggit going to be on the low level all the time? Is is Farmer Rob bigger than the boggit? And um, because he's he's kind of the boggit champion in the end, or does he start off on the ground, Farmer Rob, because he's scared and he, he's not sure what's happening? The boggit's the overpowering kind of level. So getting the children really to look at the specific dance techniques and experiment with them. I'd also get them to, so thinking about the relationship between um, the Boggett and Farmer Rob and when in the story one is kind of more powerful than the other. Mm. Um, And also then looking at the theme of growing. Um, So we were very lucky enough to have um, an expert dance practitioner come into our school and she created a kind of piece for each year group where we could always 
hook on in. So for each year, so if the theme in year three, four was growing, um, we have a start of a dance where we can teach the children something together. Mm. We can then teach them all the dance techniques and then they can create in their little groups the next bit. Gotcha. So I think it's the first real challenge for you as a teacher is is getting the right piece of music to link in that's not... um inappropriate for the children to hear make sure you've listened to the right versions of it <laughs> and it's linking into the kind of like time that you're looking the time period that the story is set in and um, again we said um earlier this week about the the place so the um location of the story the setting of the story looking at the different types of music mm-hmm. so if we were going to set it in japan it would need to be japanese music the children were dancing to but um i would i would look at all of those things to do with dance and get them creating a piece where we're all together to start with and then they break up into their little um, smaller groups. That's for years three, four, five and six, looking at the different techniques in line with what your dance curriculum says Mm. um, they should be exposed to. Bex, can I ask a question? Would you, with pupil voice in mind again and that, that belonging and ownership, would you, with Key Stage 2, take a bit of time to get them to make those decisions with you? rather than you as a teacher doing the the research around what what sort of music could you present them with a number of pieces? Yeah, definitely. So linking it into the kind of music curriculum, getting them listening to music from the, the time period that you're looking at or from the, le- uh, the geographical location mm. that you're looking at and then getting them to select their own music. And maybe say to them that, that they all have to choose the same piece in the end. So there's, there's some democracy going yeah. on there. But, yeah, but actually, British values in there. Yeah, but there's, there's that um, exposure and, and listening to, you know, we'd have a very different piece depending on what we go with. Yeah. And, you know, do we want it to be the piece that we like the most or do we want it to be the piece that actually will mimic slower movements or faster movements? There's a lot of skill in that, isn't there, in the mm. the, the music mm. part before you actually choose your piece of music. Yeah. And, do the dance. and I think as educators, you know, in, in essence of trying to get something ready, we would go ahead and plan it all. And, 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 and I think now we do need to take note a lot more of bringing the children on that journey with us and asking them, what do you think? What what would you like to see? So they've got more of an investment and they care more then about their, their work. I think all of the, all of the research that's come out for, to do with the recovery curriculum says about choice and about um, children having that opportunity to choose what they do and how they express themselves and taking real ownership of their learning. And we've always wanted as educators to give children a real purpose, not because it says in the national curriculum on page 794 that you must do this by the time you're in year six. Actually, it's a, a case of let's do this so that we can have a a festival maybe in three and four so ours yeah, ages seven to nine we might look at which piece we're going to use and maybe in year five and year six we might say okay how are we going to recreate that piece of music ourselves using all the skills that we've learned early years year one two three four how we get what we're going to use because even in in reception year one and year two the skill itself would just be listen to one piece of music what mm. can you hear mm. Um, and you do this with your phonics, you know, as early as um, the first stage of your phonics teaching, even with nursery children, checking that they're hearing different sounds. Um, you know, and you, and, you know, you would do that if you're walking around the school, like hey, you heard a scream, you heard a laugh, you heard a bell. So it's it's being able to do that with a piece of music and mm-hmm. say, OK, there are actually instruments being played here or there are voices and, and just being able to 
to pick that apart before you can build on that with the older years and get that more of that music appreciation and that um, mm. com comparing pieces of music. And also there's quite a lot in the music curriculum about how a, how a piece of music is structured. So is it introduction first, chorus first, bridge, the end? Mm. Is, so even getting to think, how are you going to structure your piece, linking it into the story? So obviously you have kind of arguments, um, mm. decision, um, then the kind of like uh, the problem, the being the bogget, then you have the um, mm. solution, which is Farmer Rob's debate, and then you have the explosion of the bogget. So, um, yeah. and obviously then you have, Free to that, you have a, a, another round of that kind of like um, with Farmer Rob having the discussion, then making a decision, the growing happening. And then so can they make mm. their um, piece of music linked to the pattern of the story? Yeah. And then um, so so many opportunities there and creating it all and then thinking about maybe linking it into computing and digitally recording it. And then maybe the, using that piece of music for the younger ages to dance to. So mm. linking the school together, which kind of um, I was thinking that we would take this into using the food festival that I talked about a few days ago, having mm -hmm. a whole school celebration of um, the Bogget has gone with the village of Mumbi is now free to grow its own and fruit and vegetables and um so together we're coming together to have a a festival um of freedom um and we're going to have food we're going to have music we're going to have dancing we're going to have an art gallery on show mm. linking it um to yesterday our pictures that we're um we've created our boggets and everything and just really really showcase the end of um everything that we've learned about the boggets yeah. so i was thinking the whole Brilliant. school could be involved in that that's great definitely and and going back to your 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 thought on digital in that art gallery because we we've tried to give children with this uh, project lots of different opportunities for lots of different learning. You could even have either as part of your home learning, and um, the children could go away and create their own Minecraft village of Mumbi. And <laughs> you could you could have a couple of computers in your in your yeah. gallery just displaying. Go and explore Mumbi. Look at mm. look at what's been created. What animals might you find? What what's going to be? Because um, I know from my young people that that's something they really enjoy. And you're being inspired by what your young people are doing downstairs right now. <laughs> they're not creating Mumbi, but they could. Be. <laughs> they could be indeed. Oh, what a fantastic way to end! You know, we've we've literally taken everything that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks and turned it into this massive celebratory festival of Mumbi and key workers, the heroes that farmers are, and I don't know, maybe even the Boggart could be invited if we can find a way to save him from his uh, spontaneous combustion at the end yeah i think he should be there yeah you know i've seen on world book day that people instead of all dressing up have created uh, potatoes of their superhero or their their and um, their book why couldn't you have potato boggets you know you could all create your own potato boggart to come along maybe he comes back as a potato maybe <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have time for today, folks, and indeed this week, and indeed this story. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. 
please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. We'll be back next week with a brand new story to help you prepare for Christmas with your young learners using a folktale from the Bible land itself. Right now, though, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And, we and we hope, hope to, to hear your, your story, story soon. soon.